Hi folks, welcome to the Keep Singing Podcast Recap Edition. I am your host, Sunny, also known as Dynamic Symmetry on Tumblr and Twitter and many other places. It's good to talk to you again. I'm actually sort of, assuming I get this posted tonight, I'm actually doing this exactly when I wanted to. I'm super proud of myself, especially given that this is a dreary day and I'm otherwise feeling super useless. So yeah, before we get into it, let me real quick go ahead and give you my Patreon spiel. If you like that I'm doing this, if you enjoy it, if you want to help me continue doing it, it does not take up an insignificant amount of time. You can go to patreon.com slash dynamicsymmetry. You can check out what I've got in terms of rewards and give me a couple dollars a month. Those small dollar donations really do add up. And it just it helps me justify the amount of time I put into this. It, it doesn't just help me with this, it helps me with all my other fandom stuff that I'm doing, helps me do a lot of professional stuff as well. It's just really good and really helpful. And if you've been doing that, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And again, if you have a couple dollars to spare a month, you might want to consider throwing it at me. And I would love you for that. Okay, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So you might recall last episode, I expressed a lot of impatience regarding the world building. And in particular, what has happened with the time jump, kind of all of the implications that the time jump has, the problems that that creates, the, the, the fact that we are having problems and conversations between characters and, and friction and conflict that, I mean, really, we should have had that within the first six months. It's just strange to have it after a year. It kind of implies that it was a year of kind of nothing mostly happening except a lot of planting and they built a windmill. And that's cool, but I, this is a, this is a universe in which um, events occur quickly and over short periods of time. And it just doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense to me that that would have occurred. Just as, and this is something that honestly, I think I would have an easier time hand-waving, but it's also an issue. People, seasons, seasons take place over the course of a few days, generally speaking on this show. So that means that in the past year, nobody's died, no significant character has died. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy, given how many people tend to die in a season, how, how you know, that we have big character deaths. In a year, everybody's fine. And only now, after a year, are things going to start happening again. It's just not realistic. It's not, I'm sorry. Well, whatever. The point is that I think that for the most part, I mean, this this episode was still kind of middling for me in a lot of respects, but I think that for the most part, this is something that I'm going to be able to kind of just get past. I mean, it's I'm never going to be happy about it, but I do think that it's something that at this point I can kind of hand wave and just focus more on what's happening right now, which is good. I was a little worried about not being able to do that. I still think that I might have a harder time getting emotionally invested in this season, but it's early days yet. We'll see how the next episode goes. I'm not super looking forward to seeing how Rick's departure is going to work or Maggie's. Uh, I, yeah, for a whole bunch of reasons. But yeah, eh, I'm, I'm feeling a little tiny bit better about that. I still think that so much of these problems... I mean, here's the thing. Last last episode, I talked about how I feel like a lot of these problems could have been avoided to a significant degree if they had dissolved the sanctuary and integrated its people with other people in the community, like divided them up between the other three existing communities. By the way, what's Toledo? The hell is that? 
Are we supposed to know what that is? Maybe I'm just really missing something, but I have no idea what that sign was about. Anyway, um, it, yeah, and, and, and I do think that one of the things that this episode did was it sort of implied some of why that hasn't happened yet, because the saviors, there was so much friction between the saviors and everybody else working on the bridge. The, the problem with that is, again, that would have made a lot more sense six months ago. Like, it would, it would have been a much more reasonable thing to do to kind of have them try to keep Sanctuary going for a while, for a few months, because they're just, everybody's a little cautious about, about integrating the saviors with everybody else. But then it becomes clear after about six months that this is not sustainable, and then you have what's happening right now. It's just, it's fucking weird that it's happening over the course of a year. But they did try to, I think, give us a little bit of an explanation for why all the communities are still separate, and grudgingly, I will accept that. It's better than nothing at all. And it is a modicum of interesting. Like, it's it's kind of a little contrived, but it's also something that eh, I'm willing to cautiously be invested in, I guess, depending on how it's handled. Uh, I like Daryl punching people. That's always a plus. So, yeah. Uh, 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 moving on. Uh, uh, I'll be all right with it, I guess. Daryl. Let's talk about Daryl for a minute. Daryl's a, Daryl is something that I just did not pay enough attention to in uh, my last recap. And then I saw something that uh, somebody said on Tumblr, and I was like, holy shit, like, I really should have talked about that more. And in fact, I wrote a fic about it called Never Finish a War Without Starting Another. And if you want Super Angsty Daryl kind of set right now and a little bit before season nine dealing with how he's not okay at all, maybe you want to go check it out. I I think you might like it. Um, Daryl's, prior to this, Daryl's association with the sanctuary is fucking awful, you guys. Like this this is the place where he was kidnapped and taken to, and imprisoned, and tortured, and humiliated, and degraded, and it was just, it was hell for him. And he saw other people being hurt, and humiliated, and degraded, and he's just got nothing but negative associations with it. He, of so many people in Team Family, has all these really, really poignant, piercing reasons to not want to go anywhere near it, to just absolutely hate it. And here he is living there? That, that raises some significant questions for me. If I don't just dismiss it as bad writing, and for the, for the moment I'm willing to not just dismiss it as bad writing, even though we have no real explanations for why the hell this has happened, that raises a whole bunch of really interesting questions, questions about what happened in the intervening year that got him there. And, and what's been going on with him emotionally since then. I, my headcanon, and I kind of wrote, wrote about this in, in the fic, is that he's there kind of for the reasons that we would, I think, be expecting. He's there because Rick, if not outright asked him to go, implied very strongly that he would appreciate it if Daryl would go. And Daryl is still, I don't know, like the one savior guy whose name is is not coming to me because I can never remember names. Um, You know, he called him Rick's bitch. I mean, that indicates some stuff pretty strongly regarding how other people see his and Rick's relationship. And it's a relationship, I think, that most of us, you know, are are on the same page with. It's something that most of us are familiar with. Daryl has been uh, in sort of an, I don't want to say codependent, in a dependent relationship on Rick forever, 
going back to season three and maybe even season two, because that's just the kind of person Daryl is. Daryl's looking for another brother, and Daryl's relationship with Merle was kind of like that, and Daryl, for all the progress he's made, still has not really shaken that dynamic. And yeah, I can kind of see, even though every, every fiber of his being would hate it, if Rick was like, I think you should go and uh, take care of Sanctuary for me, for us, for the good of the group, Daryl. Daryl would hate it. He would grit his teeth. He might be really inwardly resentful of Rick for it, but I think he would go, you know? I think he would do it. And that is, I mean, what what do the saviors think of him? What do the saviors think of why he's there? If, If that one guy said that, that implies so much about how they look at this guy who's come to kind of handle their shit in... I mean, he's he's there in Rick's place, and Rick is. I you think it, you know it would be easy. This kind of got implied. It would be easy to see Rick as another Negan, and that's that's been something that they were kind of talking about in the past season, maybe the past couple of seasons. Prior to Negan, there was I think a lot of kind of an undercurrent of how easy it might be for Rick to become the governor, and now it's sort of like how easy it would be for Rick to become Negan, and I. I because Negan is less interesting and more of a cartoony character, I think that that's less interesting. I think that if Rick did become like Dark Rick, he would be more like the governor in that he would be much more con- conflicted inwardly and much more convinced that he really was doing the right thing, even if he was doing all the wrong things. But yeah, yeah, and there's, there's, there's so much going on between Rick and Daryl right now that really interests me a lot. The conflict that we saw in this episode made me really, really hungry for more. And... Again, I I just find myself wondering so much about what happened in that year and what's been going on with Daryl, Daryl, because like one of the things that um, I wrote about in in the fic, inspired by this other Drabble that I read that I linked to in the fic, um, it's Daryl, like, does he go near the cell? Does, Does he walk past it ever? Does he just stay away from it? What, what is he doing? What is he thinking? And also, it, it's sort of, there's an, there's an interesting implication there. Daryl last season said some stuff about how if he had stuck with his brother and they'd never run into Team Family, he could easily see them ending up with a group like the Saviors. That's, that could also be, in some respects, kind of a callback to the Claimers, where I think one of the things that was so interesting about Daryl ending up with the Claimers is it was sort of a way of conveying that Daryl had changed enough uh, in significant part due to Beth at that point, although losing her kind of threw him backward, uh, that that Daryl tried to link up with those guys because those that was kind of what he knew prior to Team Family, but he really didn't fit. Like he just his his moral compass is just too strong at this point. It's before I think bef- prior to the prior to the turn, his moral compass was strong, but it was something that he ignored for the sake of just belonging to a group because that meant that was so important to him. And we've seen that when Rick pushes him to ignore that moral compass, he's very conflicted and might even in some circumstances do it. But even now, even in the dark place he continues to be in, which I'll, 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 talk, I'll, get, I'll get to in a second because that also interests me, his moral compass is strong enough that I think that the He's still con- he's still conflicted, but that conflict is more intense, and he is pushing back against Rick more now. He's he's coming close to a breaking point, and he's really like the conflict is really there. He's he's calling Rick 
he's calling Rick to account for some stuff, or he's very close to doing that, and I think that that's really interesting and cool. It One of the things I mentioned last week was that Daryl is, at the end of the day, much more practical than Rick and much more willing to face hard, unpleasant truths and much more perceptive about everything. That's kind of always been the case. Going back to season two, when Daryl saw that Shane was bad news, Daryl saw that Shane was to some degree responsible for Otis's death. And he said to Dale, you know, if Rick didn't, if Rick doesn't see that, it's because he doesn't want to. And that's, yeah, that's kind of their relationship a little bit in a nutshell. Daryl loves Rick so much. Daryl will do just about anything for Rick, even if part of him absolutely hates it. But Daryl's also aware of the fact that Rick just doesn't see shit he doesn't want to see, that Daryl sees regardless of how much he does or doesn't want to see it. I think Daryl's only real blind spot is himself. He and and only in some ways his 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 he is I think in many respects blind to his own goodness, but he's very aware of his own faults and yeah and 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 he, not only is he not afraid to face them but he obsesses over them in ways that are bad. Yeah. So t- talking talking a little bit about how where Daryl is right now, he's still. I was wondering where he was going to be after a year because, you know, there's there's been all this stuff over the last couple seasons about him being in, quote unquote, a dark place. I'm making air quotes with my fingers. A dark place. And you can argue about how much that has to do with Beth. I think it has a tremendous amount to do with Beth. I don't think that it's all to do with Beth. I think that now it is equally about Glenn. But, and also I think there's a healthy dose of Denise in there still. I think we absolutely should not forget how important she was to him and how he was really starting to warm to her and she was really starting to become important to him. But I I was wondering if after a year he was going to kind of be better, if he was going to be improved. And I was I was looking forward to that because I really want to see him diff, kind of be in a different place. But I was also kind of like, ah, fuck, we're not going to see his, his progress out of darkness. And that's not the case. Like, he's still not doing great. And I think that a lot of that is probably to do with the fact that he's been living at the sanctuary for, we don't know if he's, we don't know when he got there. We don't know how long he's been there, but I think he's probably been there for most of that time period. Because I think they wanted to get somebody in there to try and stabilize things as soon as possible, even if they weren't going to do all this other shit as soon as possible that they really should have done. But he's still, he's still not doing great. In, In fact, he doesn't really seem to have changed from a year prior. And I, I, I don't know what I think about that. I, it, it could be the writers just continuing to be kind of lazy where he's concerned, which I feel like they kind of have done. Or it could be conscious on their part, and they could be, among other things, they could be starting to set up what's going to happen to him after Rick and Maggie are gone. And I, I think that a lot of how that works will depend on what happens to them. How does he lose Rick? How much of how much of that of the responsibility for losing Rick is he does he take on? How much does he blame himself? If if at all, he may not. But Daryl tends to blame himself for everything. So that I think is going to be an important factor. And how how we lose Maggie is also going to be important. And I'll come back to that in a second because I think something very interesting and important happened with that in this episode that I I really want to focus on. It, it hit me real hard when it happened. But yeah, he's. He's not in a good place. He pretty clearly does not 
maybe we've seen that he gets along with some of the saviors, that he's willing to work with them, but I still really don't think that he likes or even trusts most of them. And after a year, uh, again, this, this is a guy who, when he lives with people long enough and he works with people long enough, he does tend to warm up to them. He does tend to get to a place where he's willing to kind of trust them, partly just because his instinct is so intensely to belong to a group. But that, that does not seem to have happened here. And I, I, would, I would suspect that living in a place where he's separated from the people he really still cares about, the few people in the world he still cares about, has also been really hard for him. And he, yeah, I just, I think he's probably just real strained and he still seems to, his temper still seems to be on a real hair trigger, especially compared to, I mean, just, just think back to how he was at the beginning of season four. Like he was pulling Rick off people. He was, he was the peacemaker. He was trying to take care of everybody. He was trying to calm everything down. The, the one time we saw him really display some intense aggression was with Bob. And the reason why he did that was because Bob put the group in danger for, I mean, he put the group in danger for substance-related reasons, and I, I suspect that that was that was especially uh, hurtful to Daryl because he has, you know, his has he has a family history of substance abuse. His father was a drunk. His mother was also an alcoholic, and Merle was into all kinds of shit, you know, including crystal meth. I'm pretty sure I recall that right. God knows what else he was into. Yeah, it, it, that was like the one time we saw Daryl kind of lose it and he didn't lose it like it was just really intense aggression but it wasn't him losing it like he does now where you know he's punching people and he's yelling he's waving his arms around and it's more a lot more like season one although I think that season one was season one Daryl was threatening violence a lot but he wasn't necessarily going as far as committing a lot of violence and here Daryl will just fucking just fucking go after you and he doesn't care and you have to physically pull him off somebody so he's he's doing a lot worse than he was in season one in many respects. But yes, Daryl Daryl is actually interesting me now. And he wasn't so much in the last episode. There's actually stuff going on with him now that, that has me tentatively interested. One of those things, and now I'll talk about the, the stuff with Maggie that makes me sad, but also that I'm, I'm look perversely looking forward to. Aaron's line about the baby. Fuck. Okay, I should I should step back for a second and say that I have shipped uh, Aaron and Daryl for a long time. I've basically shipped them since season five. Yeah, I've been here the whole time, guys. Welcome to my ship. I haven't really written anything but one fic for it, but I've been here, you know? I'm not new. And it, I, I didn't really ship it so hard because Eric was alive, and I loved Aaron and Eric, and I don't, I don't personally like infidelity fix and ships. I don't have anything against people who do. I got no problem with it, you know, in on principle, but personally it's not my thing. And especially I don't necessarily like it when it's busting up queer relationships. I think that those are so important on this show and especially when they're so wholesome and sweet and good. So I was, I was like, I kind of would like to at least see Daryl and Aaron get a lot more, a lot closer emotionally, but my my shipping was sort of like an AU shipping where Eric wasn't there in my head. And even then I felt bad about it because Eric was so great and I, and I wanted Aaron to be happy with him so much. But Eric, rip, is gone now. And it's been a while and Aaron has presumably gone through his grieving process. And I really want to emphasize, emphasize I'm not like, oh, thank God Eric's gone. I was very upset when he died. 
but for better or for worse, he is not there anymore. Aaron has presumably gone through his grieving process and is doing a lot better. And he seems, you know, he seems happy with, with baby Gracie and, and, and yeah, he seems like he might be in a place where he could be interested in getting together with somebody again. And I don't actually think for sure that they're going to get Daryl and Aaron together. If we never see Beth again, I would personally be super into that. Especially given that, spoiler, skip ahead about 10 seconds if you don't want to hear the spoiler. It looks like we're going to lose Jesus for, for pretty certain. So Daryl's not getting together with Jesus. So I would love to see Daryl and Aaron together. And I, I love that little line that Aaron had about how you'll see, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see that having a baby's great. You'll be a great dad. I was like, oh my God, he's flirting with him and he wants to raise Gracie. He wants to raise her together with him. It's so great. And, and I didn't honestly think that that's what it was, but I was sort of like, wouldn't that be awesome? Not really a crack ship, but kind of a crack ship. And then I stopped for a second and took a step back and I was like, wait, that's a weird thing to say. This show, sometimes it does foreshadowing in a way that's really subtle, and sometimes it does foreshadowing in a way that's like hitting you in the head with a hammer. Like Beth's line about how she was going to be gone someday, that was... That line, that line is so loaded that we, uh, those of us in, in TD, have attached a lot of significance to it that I think is somewhat ambiguous. Like it could just be, it could just be foreshadowing of her death. It could be foreshadowing, especially how they kept saying gone and not dead. It could be foreshadowing of her going away for a long time but not dying and then reappearing. And in the interim, he would miss her very much, which uh, has occurred. But regardless, put aside the question of whether or not we're ever going to see her again, that was that was hammer to the head foreshadowing. Like, God. And this line was just so... Like, why would Aaron say that? That was just really kind of... And he it wasn't like, oh, you might find out it was very, like, for certain, you are going to have a kid someday. And it just... You could say that it was just Aaron teasing, and maybe it was... And it was so cute if it was teasing. But also, it was a weird thing to say. And after I thought about it for a second, I I mean, I think we don't know. We, we know we're going to lose Maggie. We also know she's not going to die. Or at least, like, I think we can be 95% sure, given some stuff that, they, that, that the writers have said. And I think Angela Kang has said. We can be pretty certain that she's not going to die. Which is good. Uh, obviously, I, I'm clinging to any chance that she'll come back in the next season at all. But that really leaves open the question of what's going to happen with baby Herschel. If if she goes away and she doesn't die, is she going to take Herschel with her or not? And I think that that line might have been, as weird and slightly clunky as it was, I think that line might have been foreshadowing that Daryl is going to end up taking care of baby Herschel. Which breaks my fucking hard because I mean if if Maggie goes away we can we don't know if they'll know for a fact that she's alive or that she's ever coming back but regardless that would be Daryl in the position of taking care of for all intents and purposes on the show the last remaining green and that's just oh god I have so many emotions about that some of them are anger some of them are oh god that's really sweet and sad and some of them are just like that could that be setting up Beth coming back or not? Uh, 
I'm very on the fence with that right now. I'm, I'm not actively looking for indications that that's going to happen. I'm kind of just like, she can't get any more gone than she already is. So let's just kind of assume that she's never coming back. Let's just sort of move on with everything under that assumption without necessarily accepting it or being sure that she's never coming back. But it, there's no hide or hair of her. So yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot going on there. And I'm not quite sure all of what I think about it yet, but I do think that that could be what that's pointing to is him taking care of Herschel. Which implies a lot of stuff about how Maggie might leave. Yeah. Or it could just be Aaron flirting with him and inviting them to raise a child together. That could be, yeah. I, I, that, God, their scenes together. Daryl, I mean, they hardly shared a screen together for the last two seasons, which was so frustrating for me. And we, we didn't really get to see that much evidence that Daryl feels any intense attachment to Aaron, which he must. I mean, he must. Aaron was the first person, like even more than anybody in his family in season five almost, Aaron was the person he gravitated toward. Aaron was the person he opened up to if he was opening up at all, and he really kind of wasn't. Daryl always has the queer friends because Daryl appears to be just kind of de facto not necessarily straight because that's just kind of how he is and that's kind of how he's written, which I appreciate, especially if you consider asexuality a queer identity, which I absolutely do. And yeah, it's, uh, there are scenes together. It was so great to see that Daryl really cares for him. He was so upset. He was so desperate to save him. He was so horrified at what happened to his arm. By the way, it, I love horror movies. I love really gore horror mo gory horror movies. It takes a lot to make me cringe. I had a hard time even looking at that. The, there's something about crushed, realistically crushed and broken limbs that I just have a, I have a hard time kind of looking at that. And that was just, uh, in a good way. Like I thought that Sometimes Nicotero's effects can be really cheesy and dumb, and sometimes they're awesome, and that was a real that was really good effects. I, I liked that. And he was just so upset at the idea that they were gonna have to amputate. And but you know, then he was like, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna do what I need to do, and I'm gonna take care of my bro. And then Aaron grabbed his hand and it was just it was really cute. And really sweet. And then after he's sitting by his bedside and he was so mad that he ended up like getting into a really big fight with a guy and hitting him in the head with a pan. And that was good. And there was just, there was so much going on there that I really appreciated. Please show, don't do the thing where you give me something like that and then I never fucking see it again. If you're setting up any attachment between the two of them, can we please continue to have it? Especially since it looks like Aaron's in it for the long haul this season. God, please, please, please let him not die. Yeah, I just, I want, uh, I want them, I don't honestly expect them to end up together, but I really would like that. That would make me very, very happy. And then they would have two children to raise together if, if, if he ends up taking care of Herschel. Yeah, I, I do think he'd be a good dad. I think Aaron's right about that. Aaron's also very perceptive. It's one of the reasons why he had the job he had. Okay, let me move on. Quick comment about the other two ships that we saw in this besides Rashone, which you already know my feelings about Rashone. It's perfect and pure and wonderful. I, I, con I continue to absolutely love Carol and Ezekiel so much. And my head exploded when he said that he had a speech and he was so disappointed. <laughs> like he, he clearly had in his head this fantasy of how this was going to work when she finally said yes and he was going to get down on one knee and he was going to make a speech because he's a 
he's a big showboat in a sweet way and everybody was going to everybody was going to share in their joy and it was just going to be romantic and sweeping and out of a fairy tale even though he made that little speech about how he knows that fairy tales aren't like real but at the same time he so desperately wants them to be and he's going to try and make them real because that's who he is and and, he, and, she, and she was and how she did this because she's just play grudgingly backing into this marriage even though she really clearly wants to be in it and she's just like i'm just gonna try the ring on i'm just gonna see if it, i'm not saying yes just seeing if it fits and he was just like he knows he knows she's saying yes and he's just glowing everywhere he's like incandescent with happiness I just, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like this ship you're fucking wrong and you should feel bad about your choices I, I'm, I ship and let ship but I'm gonna fucking say it if you don't love this ship if or at least if you don't accept that it's wonderful and perfect and it's great how happy they are fuck you like you're just wrong yeah and it's just I love this ship because it's just been built so well this show really does do ships pretty well for the most part and it, it just ever since he he brought her pomegranates was, oh god this is just so perfect and they're gonna get married and have a honeymoon i mean probably if the spoilers are correct they're gonna get married and have a honeymoon and when has that ever happened on this show right oh it's so great head exploded yeah o- other ship Anne and gabe i where did that come from like i i don't necessarily dislike it i just don't understand it i maybe i maybe i would need to go back and watch the last couple seasons maybe i would change my mind it's been a while i don't when i rewatch the show i only really rewatch up to like i i honestly haven't really rewatched past coda and i don't know when i last saw coda i think i've only seen little bits of coda i just haven't really rewatched it in full since it happened because i mean for obvious reasons i think but yeah, it's I. It just kind of seemed like it was out of nowhere and not great. And I don't really think they have much chemistry. I don't want to begrudge anybody being happy on this show. I think it's about fucking time that somebody be happy, especially the two of them. Everybody's been miserable. Everybody deserves to be happy. At the same time, I just I don't feel it. It's just strange. And it, it really did come out of nowhere. And okay, well I do like I do like that she's kind of sexually aggressive. Because that totally is in keeping with when we first met her. And yeah, I, I appreciated that. And I, I just love Anne in general. I've loved her from the very beginning. I love her now. I'd love to see more of her. But yeah, uh, just not... Again, it's not that I'm not down with the ship, but I just don't really see it. And it's kind of strange. Okay, my response to that is just kind of shrug, you know? But yeah. Let me talk real quick about the portraits. I did not notice those at the time until somebody sent me an ask and kind of clued me in. First of all, I think we can assume that Anne painted those. This is the first reference to Beth's, Beth's existence that we've gotten in like three seasons. Nobody said her name. Nobody's made any explicit reference to her existence. After, after Coda, we got the conversation between Daryl and Carol. And we've had some sort of arguably a little ambiguous in some respects, arguably not references to her mostly in season five and really not anything since then daryl was carrying her knife around for a while but we've lost that and yeah we just we haven't 
as far as the show's concerned, it's like she didn't exist, which has been strange and uncomfortable. Granted, yeah, other characters have kind of, you know, not been super referenced since they died, but Merle's been Merle's been talked about since then. Herschel's been talked about since then. Glenn had his, what I call his up with people speech, where he mentioned a bunch of people explicitly and did not mention Beth, which Emily Kinney seemed to, if I recall, look a little askance at, although maybe she was kidding. And finally, we actually see some, some, ref- some recognition that Beth existed. A little jarring, actually. It, I'm glad that it happened. I think it's really sweet that Maggie has pictures of people on her wall. It's, I kind of like to imagine her sitting down with Anne and describing them and, and painting them according to her description. And I don't know, I just, I think that would have been a really sweet scene. I understand why we didn't see it, but it would have been cool to see. I guess that's kind of what fixed for. And, and also I'm pretty sure that I saw Sean and Annette I think she had her whole family there with Glenn in the center. Yeah, it's just really sweet. But I think that TD people are going to get excited about it because it's here. Here is Beth after three seasons or whatever. Here is a reference that, a recognition that Beth existed, a reference to her existence. I personally am inclined to not attach any real significance to it. Maybe. Could be. Uh, it's, it's interesting that she's reappearing now, but... Uh, in, in any respect, but I personally think that it's just that Maggie is settling into a home in a way that she hasn't before. Uh, she's building kind of a family here, and she has her old family on the wall as a way to tie her past in with her present and her future with this new family. I think that's what it is. I do think it also ties into the, the stuff in the opening credits where there are all these little in-jokes. Not, not in-jokes, there, there are all these little Easter eggs that have to do with the past of the show. The theme, the theme of this show that they're hitting super hard right now, way that actually makes me roll my eyes a tiny bit, is that this is a new beginning, all in caps. And I like that the opening credits are kind of implicitly saying, yes, this is a new beginning. At the same time, we are very cognizant of our past. I, I like that. I, that makes me, as I think I said in the last pod, that makes me hopeful about how they're going to be handling the story going forward. That I, I like, one of the things that I really like about this show is that this is, for the most part, a show that remembers its own history and goes way, way back to very early in its history to tie things in the present to that. And, and I like that. So I think that the, the pictures are another part of that. And that is the only significance I'm inclined to, to attach to them. I do think it's kind of funny that Beth's picture is based on a promo shot. I was kind of like, just just the image of like, of, of like Maggie pulling out the promo shot and being like, here, use this as a basis. It's easier than me explaining it. Easier than me trying to describe her. Yeah, it's kind of funny. But yes, I, I thought that was interesting and noteworthy. What to make of it? We'll see but I'm inclined to not attach any more significance to it than, than what I said. Again in that scene, uh, I, should, I should say once more that I have, literally I have a disability related problem with remembering names. I have to be exposed to names over and over and over and over to retain them. They have to be very important, they have to be very central. People have to say them a lot before I retain them. I do not remember the name of the woman with the record collection and the van and the two sidekicks who are kind of strange. And and don't 
don't send me an ask reminding me of who she is, please. I'll find it myself. I don't need people to remind me. I appreciate people being helpful. Just don't, don't do that. Don't send me an ask saying, by the way, it was, it was X. It, it's okay. I'll, I'll find out for myself. Just didn't want, I didn't bother to do it before I recorded this. But I think it is interesting that she's still in the picture. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting, the reference to the fact that she is still in contact with them. She's still sending them letters. She is, you know, presumably still sending them useful information. That is interesting. The fact that they mentioned her again, that could just be sort of a, by the way, this has also been going on in the past year, and it's part of our rebuilding process. Or, and this would be my suspicion, it is additionally setting up her reappearance in the future. I think that we will see her again. She was too interesting and too quickly established as an important character, an important like tertiary character, but an important character. I thought I thought instantly that that was not going to be the last time we saw her. Now the big question, and I'll talk about this in a minute, is does she have anything to do with the helicopter? I personally think no, but it's not a strong no. It's not really based on anything more than a gut feeling. I think she could very well have something to do with the helicopter. But yes, I thought I thought it was interesting and cool that she got referenced again. I thought it was interesting and cool that it was implied that if Maggie did want to join her, Maggie could. Like, has she said something in her letters that suggests that that might be an option? Could that be, and I just thought of this, and maybe I'm, you know, stupid for not having thought of this before, could that be a reference to how Maggie might disappear? Is Maggie going to go and join her? That could be. That would be interesting to see. Uh, Although that does leave open the question of why she would leave Herschel behind if she is going to leave Herschel behind in Daryl's care. Yeah, all kinds of big questions right now. Strong implications and, and lots of foreshadowing without any real answers about how this is going to end up looking. The helicopter. The helicopter makes my head hurt. And I'll tell you why. The helicopter makes my head hurt because uh, three people, three people who are still alive and in the group, unless I'm forgetting somebody, have seen the helicopter. No conclusively of the existence of the helicopter. Rick has seen the helicopter. Anne obviously knows all about the helicopter. At least she knows the most of anybody that we you know, currently have on screen. And Negan has seen the helicopter. That's three people. Is anybody, is anybody talking about the helicopter? Has Anne mentioned the helicopter to any of her new friends? Has she talked about it at all? I get the sense she hasn't. Has Negan bothered to mention the helicopter to Rick? Strikes me as the kind of thing he might toss out there as kind of a taunt and sort of like a I know something you don't know type thing. But I don't get the sense that he's done that. Rick knows about the helicopter. Has at any point Rick said to Michonne in in pillow talk like, oh, by the way, I saw this helicopter. I don't really know what that was about, but we might want to look into it because somebody out there appears to have a helicopter. Did Rick think he was hallucinating? What is going on? It's just, it's very odd. I also, hmm, I honestly wonder if what we saw was the helicopter. This might, I, I, I might be completely off base here. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if I was completely off base, but the, the, the light that Anne saw, and she, as far as I could tell, and my speakers on my TV are a little messed up, but as far as I could tell, she wasn't hearing the sound of the rotary blades. 
there wasn't like a chopper sound. It was just the lights. And I don't know offhand the altitude, like the top altitude that a, a helicopter like that can fly in. But I wonder if that was actually a plane. Now, planes also make noise, depending on how high up they are. Like passenger planes, your average, your average plane flying overhead does, even if it's like flying at cruising altitude, does sometimes make noise that you can hear. But I wonder if that was not a helicopter. I wonder if that was a plane, which if they have a helicopter, it's not out of the question that they'd have a plane. I think that that would be a step up from a helicopter, but I think that there's a lot of speculation about this being the Commonwealth. I think that's very possible, if not likely. But yeah, that's what is going on with that and why the fuck hasn't anybody talked about it? I am inclined to think that that's just more writers kind of hand-waving stuff for convenience, even if you think about it, even though if you think about it for about 20 seconds, it actually doesn't make a whole lot of sense. When the helicopter reappears, it would be very nice if Rick was like, oh yeah, I saw that. And Negan was like, oh yeah, I saw that. It would be great if they were like, oh right, I did see that and it was important. And maybe somebody could be like, why the hell didn't you tell us about that before? And Rick can be like, well, I don't know. I thought I was maybe hallucinating. And also we were kind of busy at the time. And after that we were planting fields and it just didn't come up, whatever. I'm interested in how it's going to reappear, and I'm also prepared to be irritated about how people will just kind of hand-wave stuff that happened in the past that might actually be important. At the same time, like I said, this is a show that remembers its own history, so maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Whatever. But it's, it's cool that it's reappearing early. I was maybe thinking it actually wouldn't reappear until closer to mid-season, but it, I like that they're tossing it back in early. By, by the way, Aaron losing his arm, I knew from spoilers that that was going to happen, but I thought that would take longer. I did not think that was going to happen in episode two. So that's kind of impressive that they went ahead and went for it like that. How, how are they going to... This is me not really understanding anything about how practical effects work, but how are they going to... Are they CGIing out his arm? Is it like kind of twisted back? That seems uncomfortable. Like you, if a missing leg, you can just kind of bend it at the knee and tie it up behind, tie it up against the thigh. But how do you, how do you do that with an arm? Unless he, unless he gets like a thing on his arm like Merle had, which then that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see how that goes. But um, yeah, how are they doing that with the effects? Anyway, a couple more things. Negan is boring. God, he's just so boring. I forgot. I did. I mean, I remembered that I thought he was boring, but I forgot how fucking boring he is. He pops back up and just like, I don't care. And I know where they're going with it because I know roughly what happens in the comics and I have been following along with spoilers and he's, yeah, you know, it's just, I don't care. Oh, and I care so little about him facing off with Daryl if that's what's going to end up happening. And I care even less about a fucking redemption arc. If there is a character on this show who doesn't deserve a redemption arc, it is 100% him. God. But we're stuck with him. So I think the, 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 the one thing that I'm taking some small comfort in is that they're, it seems like the they've been doing a pretty good job of hiding filming stuff this season, but it also seems like he hasn't JDM has not been filming a ton, so maybe that means we won't be glutted with Negan this season. I would really prefer that, but yeah, just Negan's boring and stupid. And don't care. Also, I don't really know why Rick is going down to talk to him at all. Like why? Like why? 
If, if, especially if he's not going down to try to redeem him, if he's just going down to go, by the way, like, everything's fine and you're never getting out. Peace. I, I, I don't, don't get it. This is dumb. Okay, let me wrap this up. All in all, if, if, I, if I'm doing my 1 to 10 scale again, I would say this was more like a 7. It's kind of a soft 7, but it's a 7. I liked it more. I did feel like it was kind of all over the place narratively. It seemed unfocused, but I did feel like because they could move past a lot of the establishing, they were able to actually start moving the plot forward in some ways that I thought were, were was interesting. They did a lot of stuff that I thought was cool. There was a lot of stuff that I saw happen that I really appreciated and that I'm into. I feel slightly more invested. I, I feel slightly more invested and I'm more hopeful about how the rest of the season is gonna go. So yeah, um, I, I remain cautiously optimistic, but I would say I'm slightly less cautious now. But I, all in all, I'm pretty much where I was, just only slightly less annoyed. Okay, I'm gonna shut up and edit this and get it posted. Thanks so much for listening. You all seem to enjoy the last one. I hope you enjoyed this one too. I'm continuing to enjoy it as well. I'll try and keep it going. Uh, thanks so much for your support and I'll speak to you next week.